Okay. Uh, hello, good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, wherever you are. Welcome to the APW Property Podcast number five. Today, we are going to be talking about what makes a good buy-to-let location. Uh, I've got some very interesting Olympic facts for our listeners. And if you stick around to the end, you'll hear all about our new subscription service, APW Property Partners. So it's me, Callum Williamson, and I'm here with... Me, Stuart Williamson. Great. How are you, Stuart? Hey, not bad. It's, you know, when property markets are going up, when you're hearing headlines like it'll be a soft landing from Savills, and they've got figures of, one second, let me just check, 21.5% growth over the next five years, including 2021, for most of the UK, and in some areas as high as 28%, then it makes you feel good. Very true. It's it's difficult not to have a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling inside when the headlines are so good uh, or so positive about property. Anyway, before we talk a bit more about property, I've got, as it was the Olympics at the moment, I thought I'd get some interesting Olympic facts for you. Um, do you know how many towels were required at the Olympic Village in the 2012 London Olympic Games? Well, it was in England. So as we know, people in England don't wash. Therefore, probably six. Uh, yeah, plus an awful lot more. It was 165,000 towels for all the athletes in the village over two weeks. Geez, blimey. Okay. It's certainly a lot of towel. It is. Well, you know, apparently the athlete village on a normal Olympic year is quite an interesting place to be, but... Um, Anyway, there we go. Um, okay, medals, gold medals. How many gold medals has Singapore won? Oh, God, uh, one. Mm, no, five. Um, and here's an interesting one. I thought it was quite a nice link to um, our sort of our client base in Singapore, in, in, you know, in the schools and the teachers there. Um, their first Olympic gold was won by a guy called Joe Schooling, Schooling, which was a 100-metre butterfly in Rio, and he went to Raffles Academy in Singapore. Blimey. Hmm. 100-metre butterfly. I can imagine that, though, because, I mean, you know, it's one of those sports, isn't it? It's all swimming that the, the uh, um, you know, Asian countries are very good at because they do need to have a good swimming pool, and a lot of people have got them. Yeah, and the schools, the schools all pride themselves on having good facilities and I think, um, you know, good pools and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's not it's not surprising. Okay, and what about going along with what you said there, Asian places and pools being good? What about Hong Kong? How many medals have they won and what were they in? Oh, um, uh, medals of Hong Kong. Uh, shooting. Uh, no, well, six altogether, three of which were this year. Um, and one was swimming. All right, they're all, all they were all swimming. No, I think the others were fencing. This year's ones were fencing, uh, and then there's a lady, Siobhan, maybe sounds like uh, an Irish name, um, who won it in swimming as swimming this year. So uh, there you go. Okay, well, here's a question for you then. Of all the people on this podcast, who has an Olympic medal? Oh. All the people on this podcast, who has an Olympic medal who won it rightfully or who has an Olympic medal that came into their possession through not competing at the Games? 
earned the latter. <laughs> well, I haven't got one, so it must be you. I indeed, yes. I have a bronze Olympic medal that I bought on eBay from the 1920 Belgium Olympics. And it was for uh, clay pigeon shooting. And uh, they are a collectible because it's worth quite a lot of money. Well, yeah. How much did you pay for it? Oh, not very much. Um, I think about 250 quid, something like that. Yeah, I, say, I mean, you must have fallen on hard times if you're selling your medals. But then again, I mean, I can't imagine someone who, you know, shoot. I can't imagine if you're a shooter, the Olympics is top of your list. You know, it's more sort of, uh, well, maybe I'm wrong, but I would have thought it's more of a social thing. And if you get to go to the Olympics for it, then great. But Well, I think, it, you know, if you're in the Chariots of Fire, I mean, Chariots of Fire, you know, they wouldn't run on a Sunday because uh, it was against the, you know, the Sabbath. And that is how important sport was to them. They, they, they thought other things were far more important. And if you remember, they tr trained by jumping over hurdles with flutes of champagne balanced on the top. So I think the Olympics in those days was very much a upper-class affair, not really a, you know, your average person. So I'd imagine winning a medal would be nice, but not the be-all and end-all, because you're probably worth 100 times that and more in your own right. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I think it's become much more of a thing that people focus on. You know, it was um, Elliot, Elliot Daly. No, he's the rugby player. Tom Daly. Um, yeah, I think he finally won his gold after 16 years of, uh, of trying, you know, and it's, it takes over people's lives and it's a full career, isn't it? So I think it is, yeah, it's much bigger now than it was. Um, but wasn't it true? On, the, on the day that he won his medal, more people called Tom won their medals than all than, than Scotland won any medals. Well, that's no one, <laughs> no one from Scotland won any, even though they're part of the Great British team. But more people called Tom won gold medals than them. And in the last Olympics, Yorkshire won more gold medals than Scotland as well. And I think if you look, I, I was looking at the numbers. On the weekend in Yorkshire, if they were their own representative, would have more. They have the most met from the whole GB team. The most contributions come from Yorkshire people. So um, I think it's going to be the same again this time round. All right, last one for you. Um, what about Fiji? How many medals and what are they in? Well, they've got the gold for rugby. I think they won it again this year, didn't they? Yeah, that's it. So two golds. Uh, Rio and this time round and then one I think it's bronze for the women's rugby this time round um, that's right the England, England yeah but it's massive for them I mean Ben is it Ben Ryan was the coach at Rio four years ago uh, five years ago he was actually put on a I think they said in his book he was put on a on a Fijian dollar piece of currency that's how seriously they take their rugby over there yeah good for him a redhead as well must be difficult to get that on a currency. Yeah, maybe it's a coin. I don't know. But anyway, there we go. So, um, what makes a good buying location? This, I suppose, can be. We, you know, there's lots of angles and things we can look at, and sort of pods within pods. But um, what would you say? You know, what are some of the main things you you look at when you're looking at a buying location, or what makes a good buying location? I think you've got to look at. Um... Basically, your rental, you know, are we going to get a full rental um, and are we attacking the right target market? I was chatting to a client 
uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday, and uh, he was saying he, <clears throat> he couldn't imagine living in Birmingham because of the flyovers, the motorways, the, you know, the different sort of supermarkets and warehouses around where we were talking about. But it's all about socio-economic profiles, sort of socio-demographic profiles, and you've got to just choose somewhere to rent that's going to rent to the right sort of people who are working in that area, i.e., you know, according to Foxton's, your average tenant who lives on their own or in a in a couple together, and he wants four things from the walk to walk from work or the trip from work to the flat, which is a Tesco's 24-hour, a pub, a takeaway, and an ATM. And I think the guy I was talking to had forgotten what it was like to be in their 20s. Because I remember when I was renting in my 20s in London, you know, I spent no time at home anyway, because you're out all the time. So you've got to target market the area. So you want mobile professionals starting off in their career for one beds at a great location. Yeah, good. And I think actually, um, you know, talking about young professionals and being mobile, all that sort of stuff. I think some of the things we, um, well, I was talking to someone about recently is um, your infrastructure, your commutability and your employment slash population. You know, those are like the three core principles or pie population infrastructure employment those are the three sort of things you should look for and i think you know that's essentially what you're saying there as well as you know you've got young people that are walking to and from work in a in a nice place to live that suits those people um you know you've got to buy for um for your target market ultimately haven't you you know you can't be buying for what you think is nice or what you like or would like it's what your target market would like yeah but also you know, in that research, you've got to look at other factors. I mean, again, I was looking at a, some market, some research this week, the Demos PwC Good Growth for Cities Index. Mm. And basically, they every year do a, a very touchy-feely uh, report, and it talks about how qualities of life has been improved. And, and they look at where has done well. For example, they talk about Sheffield doing fantastically well post-COVID. West Midlands is doing the same. But unfortunately, Leicester didn't. And so Leicester, because of its racial mix, i.e. about 50% or so is non-white British. I think 46% is white British, 4% non-white British, non-British white, and the rest is Asian. Because of that, and because of the fact that they were the first into lockdown of any city in the UK, they were made a guinea pig of, and and it's made them very hard for them to recover from the COVID. So consequently, growth in uh, rentals there has been compared to Sheffield or the West Midlands very sluggish. So it's not a great place to go and buy at this moment in time. But, you know, population is growing. Over the last 10 years, it's gone from 300,000 to 400,000. They're talking about it being 500 within the next 10 years. It's close to London, plus close to the Midlands. It's a good location, longer term. So you've got to work out what you want to do short term and long term. What is your... Your cup of tea. Nice. I think that segues. I was going to say, you know, how do people? And there's lots of different things that make a good location. We've touched on a few different areas and things to look out for there, but there's loads of places that around the UK that are close to, to employment centres that a young person would like to live in. So how do you then sort of narrow it down from the start? And as you just touched on now, I think goals being clear on what your short term and your longer term goals are. You know, if you're if you're looking to create a, 
you know, a, a massive income and you're after yield, then you need to look in locations that are going to give a higher yield, which generally will be lower value properties in the Midlands, further north, where you can get six, seven, eight percent yield. Whereas if you want, you know, a, a stable tenant and a steady income, not necessarily a massive yield, but a steady income, then you're going to need to look in a place where you know it's going to have a consistently good tenant throughout the lifespan of the property. Or if you want massive capital appreciation and you're not bothered about the yield or the tenant, then you need to be more specific with where it's going to grow from a capital appreciation perspective. So I think setting clear goals from the start will also help you narrow down uh, what makes a good buying location for you personally, you know, because it's not, it's not the same for everyone, is it? You know, what you're trying to achieve might be different to me and, same same with sort of uh, the clients we meet, you know, it's, it's different for everyone, isn't it? So I think that's important is the, the old goal setting thing. Yeah, no, very much so. I mean, again, referring to the same client, you know, we're looking at buying in Brighton because it is a mature location and Brighton will go up in price as it already has done this year. I think it's up by about 11%. You know, Hastings is up by even more, which is seen as the cheaper neighbour. Yeah. And then it'll just... It'll just it just bounce along the south coast. As long as they've got, they can communicate commute to London from there. Then the whole of the south coast will bounce along. But you're looking at a 250 for an outskirts. But if you want to get into Montpellier Street in the centre of Brighton, which is where it's all kicking off, you need looking at half a million quid. So you need to have a lot of money to invest, and the sort of yield you get won't be great, but it will go up in value. So it's very much a case of looking at are we looking at that or are we looking at not wanting to be a slum landlord but are we looking at places in Huddersfield or Wakefield that are going up by a much lesser amount of money probably won't ever but they are paying a seven percent eight percent yield yeah horses for courses horses for courses yeah so what was he what was his to use the same example that's a good that's a good example what was he what was he actually trying to achieve? You know, you, when you spoke to him originally, did he say, this is what I want to do and this is why I want to do it? Or when you spoke to him, did it become apparent what he was trying to achieve? And did that then sort of guide the discussion or guide his thinking? It was a case of having a diversified a portfolio. So, you know, <laughs> some old, some new, some borrowed, some, some blue. So some Isn't old wedding thing. Oh, is it? Isn't that a saying from weddings? <laughs> That's great. Isn't it? Don't they something say that before you get married? Something old, no, no, no. something it's borrowed. No, it's something, something borrowed, something blue, because that's supposed to be the garter, I think, isn't it? Although we're not supposed to say that in these politically correct days. Mm. Um, something borrowed, something blue, something old, something new. Yeah, you're right. So we're looking at new property, you know, in a, in a good growth location. We're going to older property in places like in Brighton, which should go up and do well, but not give a great yield. Old property in the north, which would give a great yield, would go up less. So, so it's a blended mix. And as far as something borrowed, that would be like a, a humongous amount of leveraging, which is what is the way to go when you're doing any um, any uh, portfolio management. And something blue? I don't know, I can't think of anything on that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I can't think of anything. You, you could play that song, I'm Blue. Well, see, <laughs> anyway, there we go. So, so well, yeah. So that's you know, if he's looking to create something diversified, then you know, a blend of the things. Whereas, if you're 
if you're just starting out, you know, and you, you, you're looking at 20 years from now and you want something paid off that's going to be a pension in the future and you're not really that bothered about it now, then I would say you just want something a bit more vanilla, something simple that, that I suppose your focus would be on tenants because you want the tenants in there paying it off for you. You don't want to get to the end of the term and go, it wasn't rented for half of it and I've still got a massive mortgage. So if you're looking at that more longer term approach and the income now or the capital appreciation is not key, then maybe just a solid rental unit is in which case, you know, you're looking at places with big employment centers and bigger populations, like depending on your budget, bigger cities, you know, or, or bigger towns or wherever it may be. So, um, so yeah, I think that's important defining what you're actually trying to achieve. Um, I think, you know, you need to look at where you are on your, on your journey uh, for a lot of people, low risk, simple, no hassle, is the way to go to get their foot in the door, which is where off-plan fits in. Off-plan in a location is going to have a high employment post-COVID off-plan that's value for money. And that's an easy way to do things. So that's an easy way to start off. If you're further on in your journey, you know, you might be saying, well, I want to buy a HMO. I want to um, get involved in that because that's my knowledge width will, will let me apply that so you gotta just look at that yeah and i think then you know what governs that as well as being realistic about your parameters you know if you've if you you've only got 30 grand i say only you know it's it's a good amount of money but if you've only got 30 grand in the bank then you're not going to be buying a, a hmo you know or you're not going to be buying somewhere on Mont- montpellier street you're going to have to look at something that fits your budget so when you're making the decisions, take into account your your means available at your disposable to to put those plans into action as well. And if you look at those together with what you're trying to achieve, you probably narrow down na- narrow down what is actually available to you to buy. You know, so um, yeah. Mm. Okay, right. Well, that's some good some good sort of uh, basics on location. I think good starting point. Uh, is there anything else exciting going on um, with you or in the property world or with APW? Any, anything at all? Um, well, you know, the, there's a great headline in the FT today where the banks are competing to gain people's mortgage lending. And basically, there's so many new offers going out into the market that the banks are the most competitive they've been, apparently, since the global financial crisis as far as trying to get people to borrow from them because it is so cheap in the UK. I mean, NatWest have got one onshore that was 1.2% up to 10 million pounds borrowing and offshore they're offering less than 3% mortgages and they've got fixed at just over 3% for five years. So there's a lot of activity on the lending front and it's good to see that loan to value ratios are going back up a wee bit. So you're looking at mostly 75 to 80 percent loan to values, which is great for investors. And that's pretty exciting as far as the which is pretty sad, really. Yeah, it's exciting. Leverage is your friend, guys. There's lots of reasons we like leverage and taking on debt. Um, you know, but maybe that's another one for another podcast. Exciting things with APW. We've got Next Thursday, a webinar with um, the Prosperity Guys. It's a new format webinar. It's not going to be the old question and answers and talk through developments. It's going to be a quick fire, 20 minute thing where 
we look at a new, unique, relevant subject every couple of weeks. And this week's going to be the pros of off-plan versus the cons of off-plan. And then we'll the 12th, 12th of August, just in case you're lost in time and don't know when he says next week, when next week is. Yes, of course, whenever you're listening to this, the 12th of August at 4.30 p.m. Singapore time. And it's going to be a quick 20 minutes, some points on the pros and cons, a tour, a live tour of the Prosperity site, then a Q&A session. Um, 20 minutes max, new format. So we've got that. Sign up and then we'll be we'll be sending out to our people a bit more information on a new subscription service we're launching, which is called APW Property Partners, which uh, is has got more of a focus on research, Stuart, has it not? It is, yes. I mean, we spent a lot of our time, as I just said, this week I've done Demos PwC Good Growth for Cities Index. And that's a great piece of um, research. It's lovely and caring. We've also got things on the main, mainstream residential property forecasts from Savills with the Night Frank stuff. So there's heaps of research that we, by standard, um, will go and get. And I thought, well, we might as well start sharing it with our clients because, you know, we get it and then we send it out to some people but not others. But if you want it, they should let us know and they can have it on a regular basis, all condensed and consolidated into one location and sent out for ease of use. Here we go. So consolidated research on a weekly basis. So we always bang on about research. So you don't have to go and do it. You can just look at our reports. Uh, and then as well as that, you know, that, that subscription service will give you a 24-7 access to your own UK property professional where you can ask questions and sort of have a live interaction with one of the team here at APW. I think we should probably wrap it up there. What do you reckon? Yes. Okay. Because after that revelation of my bronze medal that I got for the pigeon shooting at the Belgium Olympics in 1920, most people are probably can't take any more. Their bandwidth is full. So it's goodbye for me. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me thank you very much and see you next week